24 elders and they were casting what? Their crowns down before the Lord. We find other people casting their crowns before the, the Lord. And I was asking the Lord one day, where do they get these crowns? I mean, they hand them out of the door coming through. I mean, where do you get the crown? And I feel like he said to me, these are those who overcame and they gained authority by what they overcame. So everything that you go through, it's a point not of, of just setback, but it's a point of gaining authority and gaining something you didn't have before. Yes. I have a friend of mine, he's passed away now, but his, his brother, some of you heard, jo Joseph Garlington. John Garlington took me under his wing as a young pastor growing up, and he said, Carrie, do you know what breakthrough is? I thought I'd impress him, and I'd say, yeah, that's that verse in, in Micah. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, I got it. And he looked at me, he goes, not really. <laughs> That's the only one I could think of. And he said, let me tell you what it looks like. He said, I had a friend across town. He was a friend of mine. He was a pastor. And he called me up one day, and John was in Portland, Oregon. And, and uh, he said, John, you've been stealing my sheep. He said, well, I don't know what you mean. I don't have any sheep. I don't own any. He said, no, I've had people leaving my church coming over your church. And they were friends, and he, so immediately the Lord gave him a picture, and he said, I know what your problem is, and he said, please tell me. He said, your problem is you have a hole in your fence. The sheep crawl through the hole, get on my side of the fence, and eat the green grass. They get so fat that they can't get back through the hole. <laughs> he said, that's breakthrough. When you pass through something and you outgrow where you've just passed through and you never go back to a lesser position, you know you've had breakthrough at that point. When you begin to where you no longer are offended, you've had breakthrough. When nothing starts messing with your mind, messes with your head and, and starts causing you to feel less than what God said and you pass through that and then the devil can say, you know, you're ugly thing and I don't care anything about you and you're not going to do any good. And you go, so what? I'm just going to keep eating. That's right. I'm going to get so fat that I can't get back through the hole. Yes. Isaiah 10 verse 27, it says, and the, uh, the anointing, the word their anointings actually mean fat. The fatness of the Lord literally means to smear with oil. The fatness of the Lord breaks the yoke. So the picture is, to the extent that you grow inside and the internal combustion or pressure breaks the external pressure. The more that you increase in the inside of who you are, the less that the external pressures have, can hold on to you and you break the yoke. So instead of saying, Lord, would you come down and break this thing off me? He said, just get fat. Yeah. We in America know what that looks like. <laughs> in fact, you can find in Scripture where it says, when you made, they made sacrifice to the Lord, they said, and the fat belongs to the Lord. Yeah. And I've been trying to give it to him ever since. <laughs> I can tell you that this place, there is a, when I walked in, there is a, a movement of the Holy Spirit that I felt waving, just waving there in ripples. And the Lord is saying, prepare for what you believe. But just don't believe it. Prepare for where you're moving to. Because if you only have believe, the Bible says even the demons believe. Demons believe in tremble. Remember that verse of scripture? If all I've done is believe, I've just come up to a demonic level. That doesn't sound fun, does it? So that means I have to go beyond believing. Believing means 
It's possible. I, I, I move, I think that way. But faith means I'm now operating and moving towards what I believe. From believing to faith, it means there's an operation of activity going on in my mind. And I want to share tonight some principles that begin to have effect on your, your family, every part of your life, every part of your being. And it kind of takes you where you begin to see from the perspective of the Lord at that point. If God can change your mind, he can change every part of your life. I forgot when did I start here. 741. You guys, you guys wave a finger at me when I'm through here. If God can change your mind, he can change every part of your life. Because Romans says, as you know, we're transformed, not by preaching, although that's part of it. We're transformed by you know, listening to good things. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. The renewing of the mind, then say you're renewing your spirit, because when you're born again, your spirit becomes alive. It's awakened. But the problem is our mind is still trying to process what our spirit already knows. In the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve lived in the paradise of God, and the word Eden actually means the place of his pleasure and the place of his presence. So there in the middle of this paradise, and everything was moving to where they, they, they communicated with God in their spirit. They didn't try to process and try to figure it out. They just knew that they knew. And man communicated with God in his spirit. His, he became dominant spiritually. But when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something flipped at that moment. Their, their, their spirit became low, the lowest part. And on top of that, rose their, rose their sukikos is the word, their mind, will, and intellect. When they ate of the tree of knowledge, they became dominant in their mind and became less dominant in their spirit. To where man now tried to figure out God and had to make sense and how, to, how everything connects together. Instead of communicating in your spirit where you have this, this spiritual intuitiveness of God, they had to come, I don't, that makes sense to me, God. Even the Bible says the foolishness of things, the foolishness of God confounds the wise. Part of the restoration that we're seeing, I think, in the whole entire world is God is restoring us back to where we're being dominated by the spirit, the eternal part of our being, where we can hear God clearly. And when you do that, you're not offended on anything because it's the mind that gets offended. Your spirit can't be offended. <laughs> Just go through that hole and get fat and don't worry about going back. So what he's taking us to break through and for a church to have influence in the community, influence a society, is that you start having the mind of Christ and seeing how he thinks in that way. Yes. The word repent means metanoia, means to change the way that you think. Yes. Not just upset that I got caught. But when I change the way I think, now you're closer than when you first believed to entertaining and hearing what the Lord's saying. If you went into Psalms 139, he says, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he goes in that and he says, and, and we have the thoughts of the Lord are, are huge or continually coming to us. Psalms 40 says the same thing. The thoughts of the Lord are just like you coming to us more than the sand of the sea. So God is always thinking about us, but we're not always picking it up. Just like right now, there's going through this building and passing even through you and I, there's set, there's signals. There's microwave signals. Somebody's texting right through you right now. That's a crazy thing. No wonder I'm confused half the time. Our GPS was confused getting here tonight. Because there's signals passing through, but you don't hear them unless you're tuned in to where you can hear them. 
The thoughts of the Lord are continually coming to us in such a way that we have to learn how to pick them up. And once you begin to hear the thoughts of the Lord, then your mind becomes less dominant. Doesn't mean you check it at the door. You don't have a head, don't have a mind. But it means that I'm looking for my mind to agree with my spirit instead of my spirit trying to find agreement with my mind. When that happens, you begin to see signs and wonders and miracles happen. Dinah, in this, this last year, we have seen more miraculous healings and manifestations. I mean, raw power of God happen than any other time in our life. Simply is because letting bypass our mind and start operating in the things of the Spirit. Yes. If you believe it's possible, it has to go beyond believing it's possible to start moving towards it. And when that happens, you begin to see the manifestation power in the presence of God. As you begin to build, build this body and, and you extend the kingdom of God, it's more than just how to take care of you and how your family and, and hanging out and being cool. It is how do I allow the kingdom of God find expression through me and the thoughts of the Lord finding a way to express through that. Hebrews 1 says Jesus is the personification or the express image of the Father. It's an interesting word because the original personify, we comes from two words. Per means to pass through and son, S-O-N, or like person. The word son means sound or sonic. So he said Jesus was the one that the Father's sound passed through. He was the one to express the sound of the Father. So part of what I sense and believe God is wanting to do here is he's wanting to train our ears to hear so that we allow the expression of the kingdom of God to pass through us and to where we're now influencing other people instead of saying, I believe it so, says, I know so, in Jesus' name be healed. In Jesus' name be reconciled in the name of the Lord. And you call people to reconciliation. Where it's not just by just thinking, I hope it's so. It is that you are a conduit for the presence of the sound of the Lord to move through that. When, when Adam and Eve were there in the garden, the Bible says they were naked, but they were actually covered. They were covered with the very light or the glory of God. When Adam would look through the glory of God and he saw his wife, he saw her the way God sees her. And I mean, he saw her for the first time and said, wow, baby. There's not another critter in the garden like you. I mean, that's glory. And she looked at him and says, wow, man, that's where we get woman from. Maybe not, but nonetheless, you know, it works out though. And as long as they were seeing things through God's perspective, they had the presence of God and the sound of God moving through the garden and all the time they were there. After that, after they ate of the tree of knowledge and their mind became dominant, the glory departed, and immediately Adam says, God, the woman you gave me, she did it. And the woman says, no, the devil did it. When the glory of God departs and we're no longer receiving the perspectives and sounds of the Lord moving through us, we start blaming one another. You can tell when people are not operating in the glory and the presence of God, they find someone to blame about something, about everything. I would have been no telling what if it hadn't been for that person. I would have graduated from university without honors, but somebody cheated off of my test, and, and I failed. <laughs> Figure that one out. I would have made it farther, but someone else stepped in front of me, and I didn't get where I need to be. 
And as long as you live in the blame, you, you start becoming a victim. And victims have a self-perception that means everybody's against me. So that means I've built my own shield that nobody can get close to me, not even God. Yes. I've built a high place. And in this high place, it is, it is inner vows that says, I'll never let anybody get close to me again. I'll never let anybody touch me that way again. I'll never allow anybody because I'll never volunteer for anything because I was put down one time. In order to have this place where the perception, the values, and the presence of God flows through you, we got to tear down some, some altars that we built in high places. And in doing so, now we've opened ourselves up to begin to hear God clearly and through that. I want to share with you something that's changed for my life. I know these guys have probably heard this message. The Lord spoke to me years, you know, a few years ago and said, anywhere you've gone for the first time, be sure and share this. And I want to put it together, power of blessing. I know you guys have seen that. In 1 Peter, the third chapter, Peter makes this declaration. And he says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with, your, you, with them, you're talking about your wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife, to the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean she, she may more bench press more than you can. I don't know. That's not weaker than that. But simply means you protect her. The word husband, by the way, also means a grower, one who grows. Your husband is there to help the family and help his wife grow into the knowledge of the Son of God and grow into all that God's called you to be. He's there not to interrupt or disrupt or impede. He is the first one out the door and says, we're going to church. We're the first one that's going to pray. We're the first one that's going to believe God. We're the first one that's going to give. And by doing that, you are a grower and you, you bring it to its potential. When God set Adam into the garden and he said to them, he said, you keep the garden, we're cultivate there. Cultivate means to bring to its full potential. You have a potential in every one of your life as you have a potential in the church. And it just doesn't happen by accident. It happens by giving attention to it. And I want to show you the attention that every garden needs. Adam failed in the Garden of Eden, a place of his presence, a place of his pleasure. Jesus is called the second Adam in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane overcame. The first Adam failed in the Garden. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if it's possible that this cup could pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. In the Garden of Eden, Adam says, it's my will. It's my way. And they did what they wanted to, even though they had two choices there. And the reason God gives choice is because he wants to have love. The true trees there was to, to, to give an opportunity to express love. If there was no choices, there would be no love. If I was the last man on earth, Diane, I, how, could I, how could I believe she loved me? I love you. Well, there's no other men around. How am I supposed to go that? But when there's choices, ah, I feel loved. God gave us a choice so we could express back love to him, saying, I chose the tree of life over the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I choose to have a communication in my spirit, not trying to figure you out in my mind. And so when Jesus overcame in the garden of Gethsemane and said, not my will, but your will be done, something of the fall of Adam and the Adamic nature that was in all of us was broken that day. And we were on our way for reconciliation and restoration back into where we could communicate with God, not from a fallen nature, from a, from a resurrected one. Amen. Now, 
I'm going to have to hurry and get on with this. Here it is. Five, verse 8. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion, one another, love brothers, tender heart, and be courteous. This is a relationship. Verse 9. Do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but instead, contrary, in the opposite spirit of give blessing. Instead of giving it back to people like they've given it to you, they've done you wrong, you've given it back to them. There's something in us men that we want to feel macho because if, if you say something back to me and hurt my feelings, I'm coming right back at you. Mano y mano. Is that Spanish? I think so. I'm going to give it right back to you. But the Word of God says, if you're going to have the, the favor of God and be the sound that passes through you, you've got to have the sound because it's not returning evil for evil or revenge for revenge. That operates as the accuser because the accuser of the, is the devil, and he's called also the cursor or the accuser. And so if you don't return evil for evil, but instead blessing, knowing that you were called to this. I was called to bless long before I was ever called to preach. You call to be a blessing that you may inherit a blessing. Though what nailed me one day, I was driving in Dallas, Texas, in Interstate 30, and we were driving about 110K, bumper to bumper, side to side. I mean, you were locked in. Diane was with me. Her voice sounds very much like the Holy Spirit. And this young man pulled in front of me and about hit me right on the front. I was surprised what popped out of my mouth, and I said idiot. And Diane said, pardon me? And I said, well, he is. My mother would have washed my mouth out for saying that. Immediately, I heard the Holy Spirit saying, why did you just call me an idiot? And I said, I didn't call you an idiot. I called that guy. And anytime God starts answering you back with his word, you know the argument's over. And he said, how can you say that you bless me whom you cannot see and yet curse man whom you can't see. If you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. If he is created in my image, then you've just cursed me. Wow, man, I, I, what do you say to that? Besides, God forgive me, help me, no. He says, I want you to see them the way that I see them. Not how you feel about them. Yes. And he said, now I want you to bless him. I said, bless you. <laughs> I bless you with a brick is what I love. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, I want you to bless him the way that you want me to bless you. Yes. Wow, now that's a whole other issue then. Let me think about it. I, what I started doing actually was prophesying over this guy. And I said, I declare over you as a son of promise that the faithfulness of God be upon you and you'll reach the full potential God's called you to be. You'll get home safely. Your family will delight in you and everything your hand finds to do would be touched and blessed of the Lord. Amen. And I, all of a sudden, the best way I could describe is what athletes call a runner's high. I felt endorphins going in. I felt dopamines going in. I felt oxytocin going in. That's that love thing. And I started feeling all of these chemicals just rushing me physically. I just felt the pleasure of the Lord. And the Lord said to me, that's because we are now in agreement. And that's the sound that passes through you. You are now a trumpet for the Lord. If a trumpet gives an uncertain sound, how would we know to come? 
And when you start being a trumpet for God and seeing things the way God sees and declaring what he says it is, then he says, I'm in agreement with you. The word says, when a man's ways please the Lord, I'll even cause his enemies to be at peace with him. I've seen tremendous miracles with that. I've seen families change and all that. Man, you have the wife you bless or you have the wife you curse. You created her. Sort of. Pretty much. Let me give you a definition of blessing. It's the word in the Old Testament called Barak, not Barack Obama, but Barak, Barakah. Don't get the two mixed up. Barakah. And it means to, to declare or what God intended for, not the way that it is. What God intends for, not the way that it is. Do not report the circumstance, report how God sees it. Cursing means to place something in a lower position than what God said. Yeah. Idiot isn't what God said. It put him in lower position because God said everything is good. Yeah. And when you come into an agreement with God, there's something about it. Faith rises up in your heart and you feel like that God is on your side and you can accomplish anything because nothing is impossible at that moment. We started teaching this in our church, and we saw families completely revolutionized and changed at that moment. I had a man come to me one day, and I'll give you the short version of this, and, and, uh, and he, he came and he said, I want to sell some land to you next to your church, and, and the Holy Spirit says, don't buy it. But I said, Lord, I want it. I'll make you a really good deal, no down payment, and you just don't care. He's about 30 acres, and it'd be adjoining to our, our, we'd have about 50 acres then, and, and he said, don't do it. And I said, no, sir, I'm not going to. And he said, you're crazy. And I said, probably. And he starts telling me the story. He said, I have an oil field business and I'm a millionaire. I pastored a church. And the church told me to give up your business or, and for pastor the church, but we don't want you to do both. And on a Sunday morning, he said, you can all just go to hell. Well, I said, sir, you just cursed him. He goes, yeah, I know. They deserved it. And I said, then you, this is what's going to come back to you. He said, I've had my, my daughter, I haven't talked to her in six months because all she wants is my money. And I told her, I said, leave me alone. I don't talk to you again. I've got a, a guy, that a young man I brought into business with me, and I've given him half my business. And I just found out recently that he's, he's building a business on the side, and he's stealing money from the company and taking customers away. I felt sorry for him. And he said, that's not enough. My wife had an affair, and I can't figure out who it is. And I, I'd, I'd kill the guy if I could find him. And there's a company owes me $2 million. I hadn't been able to get the money. And I just tell everybody what a thief and a liar they are. And I said, well, how's it working for you? I said, you need to learn to bless. He said, I've been to Bible college. I never heard that. I said, man, I don't know what college you went to, but it didn't work. So I, he argued with me. I gave him a couple of CDs on the power of blessing. He went off. He put them in his truck on the way out to the oil field. And he listened to it. And he said, I'll give it a shot. He started blessing his daughter and saying, you're, you're a daughter of promise. You're part of the quiver God's given me. I bless you with the fullness of the Lord God. And may you, may you rise up and call your parents blessed. He started blessing her because it shows how to do that. That night, she had a dream. She didn't attend church. She'd never been in church where they raised hands. In the dream... Her hands are lifted and she's worshiping and singing songs to the Lord. And in this dream, the voice comes to her and says, call your father and repent to him and go home. Wow. He, she calls him and says, dad, I'm sorry. I, you know, I've, 
I've just, you're right, I've been using you instead of respecting all that. And he realized, man, this thing really works. So he starts blessing this guy that steals this money from him. And he said, you know, he's the son of the house. I brought him in and he's my heart, bone of my heart, bone of my bone, heart of my heart. And I just release him. And the Lord just bless him and favor him, whatever you want to do. 24 hours later again, the young man comes to him and said, Ray, I, I, I want to tell you, I'm sorry, I, I don't know why I've done this, but I've been stealing from the company. I've been building an alternate company. He forgave him and reconciled right then. And then he starts blessing this company that hadn't paid him the $2 million for over a year. Instead of calling them liars and cheating, he said, I pray over them that they would be blessed, that their company would be blessed, that they would prosper in all the things, and that, Lord, you would give them righteousness in the way they deal business. About two weeks later, they call him and said, Ray, uh, I know we owe you this money. We have the check ready for you, and we've given you interest on the $2 million for the year that we've had it. What? He's totally blown away by this point. Now he's on this thing. He said, but what about this guy? I mean, he's, you know, had an affair with my wife. What am I supposed to do? I can't bless him. And he called me and asked me, what do I do? And I said, if you were at the foot of the cross and Jesus was there, standing there, and he would say, I forgive him, I forgive him, but Ray, I can't forgive you. Because even though this guy's a murderer and a thief, but I can't forgive you because you won't forgive. Give, forgiveness is a gift. Uh, you have the gift. You can give it or you can hold it. I can't, I'm sorry. And I said, I want you to pray and ask the Lord to show you the heart of this guy. He said, I don't know who it is. I said, no, I'm not saying that. Just pray the Lord will show you this guy's heart. Took him a while and he called back later and he said, man, I just started praying. And I said, all of a sudden I had this mercy come over me for this guy. Crazy. And he said, I just started seeing him the way maybe that God said how, how desperate he was and how lonely he was and and how he had just totally been corrupted from, the, from what is right. And he was just away from God. He was like fatherless. I just started praying over him before I figured out, this is the guy that had the affair on me. I released forgiveness to him. And I said, man, I'm proud of him. That's good. And he said, I wrote him out a big check for an offering. And I said, what? I said, man, we don't take this blessing thing too far. <laughs> he said, no, think about it. God so loved, what did he do? He gave. For me to break the power of my, my anger and my heart, I gave this a guy an offering. Told his wife, said, you can find him? She said, yeah, but I, I'm not anything to do with him. Here, give this check to him. She said, you nuts? He said, no, I'm just in love with Jesus. Totally changed his life completely. I had a guy and came up to me. I was in, down in Houston and, and I was doing a conference. A pastor came and said, can you counsel this guy? And he came to me, he's telling me the story. He said, I've worked in Iraq as a contractor for nine years. And uh, I've been married 32 years, and I really don't care anything about the lady. She reminds me of her mother. And the old lady just never has done anything good for me. And she's at the courthouse now filing for divorce. And I said, well, that solves your problem, doesn't it? He said, no, I don't want a divorce. And I said, you've just been cursing her. He said, I, I, I'm not cursing. I'm just telling you the way it is, fact. So I tell him, I said, there's a difference between fact and truth. Truth is not information. Truth is a person called the Holy Spirit. Fact is circumstances that, that you see by your natural senses. Man should not live, live by bread alone, by, but, but out of, by all the words that's processed or proceeded out of the mouth of God. Are you living by fact or are you living by truth? If the doctor said you've got six months to live, is that a fact or is that truth? He said, I don't know. 
I said, the Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus you're healed, that healing is a children's bread. That's truth. So if you decide to go after fact and not have truth, then you're going to live by facts. And I said, you've been living by facts, and all you do is see what your wife does. You do not see her through the glory or see her through the eyes of God. And he got mad at me, and he said, I've studied Zen. And I said, is that some kind of cooking class? Or I don't know. He said, no, that's that martial arts. I can pick you up with my mind and throw you against the wall. <laughs> I looked at him, what? He said, yeah, I'll pick you up with my mind and throw you against the wall. And I said, I've studied the Bible, and I can take that and cast that thing out right now. <laughs> I came back in a few weeks. He went and I gave him some tapes. He listened to it. Came back in a few weeks. And he said, I, I want you to meet somebody. And he motioned for this lady to come over. And I thought, man, this guy's fast. He's already got him another one right here. And he said, this is my wife. We've been married 32 years. I said, what? He said, yeah, I listened to the CDs. And sh she came home and had the divorce papers in her hand. And I was standing in the kitchen. And we opened up the front door. And it goes the hallway right in there. And I said to her, you're a gift from God. I ask you to forgive me for the torment and the things I've said about you. And what God has put together, we let no one put asunder. And you're the joy of my heart, and you're the help me that God has given me. And she was standing there, and I was looking at her, because you look at the wife, you can always tell whether they're telling the truth by looking at the wife. They're the truth meter. And look, she goes, it's true. She said, when he said that, I really haven't had any emotion for the man all these years, because we worked away internationally. When he said those words, it was like they were moving in slow motion, just coming down the hallway, and they, they hit me right here in my heart. I felt liquid love just flowing through me. And all of a sudden, I saw him in a way that I'd never seen him. I said, God's not really bad looking. You know? He's a good provider. All of the things that she should have been thinking, the mind started being renewed. Her heart started catching up with by the Spirit. And she says, for the last few months, we've been on a honeymoon. Simply because God changed their mind about how they think. And then out of the abundance of their heart, they started saying and declaring the heart of God in the way things should be. Jesus said, bless and do not curse. Even when he, was, he cursed the fig tree and, you know, he's out there, it was, a, it was a teaching moment with the disciples. They came back there and they said, Master, look how quickly the tree just is dead by its roots. And Jesus let them know this, is, you can kill stuff. The power of life and death is in the tongue. First Peter even talks about if you want to see good days and love life, the original translation, if you want to have the life you would, if you want to love the life you want, then you do these things. Refrain from speaking evil. Refrain from speaking idle. If you can, the Bible talks about in James 3, this huge ship and this little rudder that you can change the direction of the ship by just simply changing the rudder or the tongue. People that have an opinion on criticism on everybody and everything will have trouble finding the favor of God. I just don't know about that. I, I don't know why they do that. I don't know how come they think that. I don't, you know, and they just keep, because their mind is so turmoil, then they can't hear God on anything. They're all stirred up. My brother was having trouble with moles. You know, y'all have moles here? Wombats or whatever they are? Moles, yeah. Not wombats, what moles. Anyway, they're critters. They were digging holes down and digging tunnels through his yard. 
and just tearing his yard up. And he would go out every evening and curse them. I curse you and I send you back to the pit of hell where you came from. <laughs> and he'd go out the next day and, and there'd be more of them. He'd put poison down the holes and they would eat the poison. They'd just get so fat that the tunnels were even now wider than they were before. He went and got traps and put down there and they'd dig up and tunnel around the traps and go on. He's just perplexed. His wife says, your brother's preaching on blessing. Won't you bless them? He said, I'm not going to bless a rat. They're a rodent. God, God didn't bless that. So I talked to him and said, hey, when God created everything, do you believe it? Yeah. The devil can't create anything. Yeah, that's right. Now, all the devil can do is corrupt something. He can't create anything. So God created those molds. And when he created everything, he said, it is good. The only thing he said wasn't good was for man to be alone. He said, I sold him. I said, you are cursing what God said was good. Well, you know, I don't know about this. So. I said, so you, until you bless what God has, what is in front of you, nothing changes. Yeah. Like the wife you have, you, you bless, or the wife you curse. You have what you've created. You have the husband you bless, or you have the husband you cursed. You've created that environment. So he waited until it was dark, and one evening he went out, and he said, Mr. Mole, I don't know why God created you, but I know he didn't create you to tear up my property and my land, so I release you to greener pastures. <laughs> went and tamped down all the holes and put out. Went the next day out, went out. There was none. Week went on, there was none. He completely free. The neighbor come next door comes over and says, Hey, I don't know what happened, but I, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, there's Moses showed up and they're just coming everywhere. What do I do? And he said, I told you, I don't think you'd understand. I was in a federal prison visiting. I wouldn't stand there. And I was sharing about the molds. And these prisoners were talking about how all of these big cockroaches, I mean, in Texas, everything's big, you know, big hats and big cockroaches. And so these, these cockroaches, while they were sleeping, would just run over them all night long. Just, <laughs> you got the picture. And so one of the guys said, hey, that preacher is talking about blessing molds. Maybe we can bless these cockroaches. Another guy said, you're kidding. He said, no, nah, God made cockroaches. Never thought about it, but he actually did. I don't question God's wisdom. I just know that I have to live in it. And they said, well, let's just, let's just bless the cockroach. I said, Lord, we don't know why you created the cockroaches, but they come from you, and, and they, they, you didn't create them to, to bring disease and make us feel horrible and nasty and all that stuff. So we release them to fulfill your purpose. You guessed it. Then the cockroaches left out that night, and they talked about it. They hadn't seen any more. They were a week later in their chow hall, and some guys were over there talking about it. Says, man, we, all of a sudden, cockroaches start showing up in our cell block. And we can't get rid of them. I'm telling you, there's something about bless and curse not. And when you start blessing, you release God's potential in your favor in what you're doing. It means I'm seeing things now from God's perspective. One last story. Am I okay? What time we? What time you have here? Okay. I didn't see when I started here, so. Okay, just wave at me. I... Had a family, their son was on drugs and couldn't do anything with him. And they said, kept saying, you know, you're going you're gonna to wind up dead and the coroner's going to call me and he's taking money. He was living at home. They just cursed him, cursed him, cursed him. So I talked to him. I said, why don't you bless your son? They said, that'd be lying. I said, well, facts may be lying, but the truth says you bless him. 
And so I explained to them how to do this. And so they started, they started blessing him. He come in, just stoned out of his mind, says, you're a son of promise and you're God's gift to us and you're part of our namesake and our housing. He looked at him, what? And go off to bed. This went on for two weeks. The third week, he's sitting at a bar, getting ready to smoke up, toke up, or whatever he's doing, and drinking with his buddies. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice that comes and speaks to him saying, are you having fun yet? And he said, thought to himself, not really. And he said, go home. He comes home, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. His dad sees him and goes, are you okay? Everything all right? What's the matter? He says, you're home awful early. He said, well, uh, I guess I want one thing. He said, what's that? What time is church tomorrow? He goes to church the next day. It was a Saturday afternoon. He gives his heart to the Lord. And last I've heard, he's serving God. The only thing they did, instead of reporting the way things are, they started declaring the way God is. When you start declaring God's intention for something, instead of reporting how bad it is, you deny the devil the right to do anything and you release God's potential. Proverbs 26 verse 2 says, A curse cannot come without a cause. Just like a, a bird flitting from one nest to another means it has to have a place to land. If I'm cursing, that means I draw everything else that, that is cursing to me. If I am not cursing, then it can't find a place to land. You can't be cursed just by bumping into somebody that is. It's not contagious. But if there's something in us where we're doing that, then we become a conduit for cursing to come as well. Now, I, want to, I just want to show you one little quick thing. Pastor, just... Galatians 3 says that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. And cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree by that. So that the blessing of Abraham, the intention of God, might come upon the Gentiles, you and I. Now, pastor is a believer, and I'm a believer. But if I'm cursing him and says, I don't know what you're doing, I don't know how you're doing, I don't know why you're doing, I don't see how you're doing that, and start criticizing and cursing him, because we're both believers, Jesus gets in between he and I, and he has to defend pastor against me. Has to defend him against the curse. And for me, he pushes the pause button and I can't progress and move forward because I've been cursing what God's called blessed. Thank you. I just want to just realize tonight that God gives us the potential to turn bad things into right things when we start speaking as, as unto him. When you count those things are not as though they are, we're being prophetic. God is prophetic. He's always wanting to talk to you about your future. The devil as accuser always wants to talk to you about your past. When he talks to you about your past, you remind him of his future. Which is not one. But you continually, in order to move forward, in, the, in order to prosper, in order to cause the family to be strengthened, that you're saying over them what you want to be happening, not reporting how bad it is. You just start saying over your wife, I love you so much. You're, you're, you, God's given you a gift to me. And I just appreciate so much all that God has put on your life. Some of you ladies say, I wouldn't give anything for that. And when you start releasing that, even though she may not be ideal, she'll come up to the bar that you're blessing her to be. Because when you're cursing, you as a husband, you keep her suppressed because she can only be what you've declared her to be. You're the husband. You're the grower. 
Whatever that you want to see God do in your job, whatever you want to see God do in your family, you speak it as it's prophetically. It's not a matter of wait till it happens and then I'll report it. Revelation 19.10, so the spirit of prophecy, prophecy is a proceeding word, spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So when we're blessing, we're testifying of what Jesus has already done on the cross. We know that it's not God's will that any should perish or all should come to the knowledge of the Son of God. So when I bless, I'm blessing according to the will of God. I'm calling the diamond out of the rough. I'm calling the good that's out of them. That's in that, that resurrection who we are and the life that's in us. We're calling it out of them instead of telling them how bad they, how bad they are. And it can't be, oh, you did a great job, but. Anytime you put but in a sentence to me, just forget it, just what I said. Just be careful where you put your butts in the sentence. You can figure that out later. If we're going to be people that are prophetic people, which I don't have time to get in, or, or is, the very, is the same word as the sons of promise, prophetic people, means I'm blessing and I'm not cursing. I'm declaring what shall be. When you bless this church, you're not reporting where you are, but you're declaring by vision imagination. You were created in the imagination of God. God's given you imagination. He's resurrecting. When Adam fell, he lost imagination. But if there was ever imagination originally, that means it can be one now. He corrupted imagination, made it pornographic and made it corrupt and made it vain. But the original imagination was the thoughts of God. Psalms 91 says, he that abides under the shadow, the word shadow, teslim, means thoughts. He that abides under the thoughts of God shall say, the Lord is my refuge. Nothing, the, foul, the arrow shall not find him there. He'll be protected, all of this. Why? It's because I've got the thoughts of the Lord and I'm saying the thoughts of the Lord and blessing one another and the Lord. You can bless yourself. I have a friend had bypass surgery, the arterial sclerosis, and the doctor said, my bypass I did for you is only good for five years. And then after that, and his father had died of that. I told him, I said, just start blessing your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've heard the facts. You've heard the cursing over your body. Just start blessing your body and say, these arteries are yours, God. I bless these arteries. Your intention is to carry blood through my body unimpeded, and this, these, these arteries will grow and be in health even as my soul prospers. One year lady went back to the cardiologist. They did a scan. And the guy said, I can't believe what I'm saying. Come here. He said, here's the bypass that I put in last year. Your body has grown a bypass around my bypass. And he has no arterial sclerosis and he's now close to 80 years old. Because he blessed, he broke what was a curse. He broke what was being said. The generational curse over family of diabetes and sickness and disease. And we just accept that the way it is. When you're born again, that means you've got a new DNA. You're in the family of God and your father in heaven says that you are like him and you have his DNA. When you bless, you have his DNA and you're declaring and prophesying it over your body. Then you're declaring what he sees. But it can't be, well, you know, I believe God can, but I don't know. Whatever you magnify, you empower. Mm 